0: All right, welcome back here to the Plank Show. Did you get enough cheese, Cheez-Its?
1: No, I have not had enough Me yet. Me neither. But uh, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, let's go! Wait for it. The car is ready for the road trip tomorrow. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Look out, OU Club of Iowa. Here we come. Is there an OU Club of Iowa? I
0: think so, yeah. Oh, let's go. I didn't get an invite. Hey, Maybe this I is... I've been terrible at emails and texts recently.
1: This is a good time to share as well, by the way, that where's Travis going to be? He sent it to us.
0: I'm behind on on the world. I didn't even know. I feel like I'm always envious. Last week, when Travis, suddenly I see his Instagram and he's all over the world. He's he's at, <laughs> He's a world traveler. He's at Baton Rouge. I'm like, hey, man. You know, you got the phone number. I was obviously unable to go, but kind of like just wanted to get the invite. Jethro's but yeah, he's going to be at a cool barbecue place,
1: right? Jethro's, Jethro's Barbecue in Ames. Pre-game, post-game for anybody going up there, eight to ten, and then uh, obviously uh, the two hours following the game. Yeah, largest sports bar in the Big Twelve, I guess. Slow smoked wings and ribs, thirteen oh one Buckeye, Buckeye Avenue, huh? In Ames, Iowa. That's kind of interesting.
0: I, uh, as somebody who is a big wing guy, I don't I don't discriminate either. So I'd be like, you can only have wings if they're like, no, no, no. I, I like all wings. I'm not going to ever complain. Greg's got some incredible wings. He, I believe he, it. He smokes them up, grills them up. I am. I had, a, I had lunch yesterday at Penny Hill. The wings were pretty good. I had never had the Penny Hill wings Penny before. Penny Hill Deli Bar and Char. Oh, is that what they say? I can never remember the name of Penny Hill. I it's keep wanting just to call. It, I keep wanting to call it Piccadilly for some reason. <laughs> R.I.P. Piccadilly. All right. Um, you ready to tear the Big Twelve? Let's tear. So every single Thursday on this Seattle very radio program, Josh and I go through the Big Twelve conference. It's one of the few things in the history of ever that I've actually kept all my notes on. Now you might say plank. It's 2022. You have a computer where you could write these down, keep digital copies of them, and you're good to go. Just enter them every single week. Yeah, no, that'd be way, way, way too easy. I like to challenge myself. Now, last week, in our tiering of the Big 12, Josh, you went counter to some of what had been laid out there on Big 12 Radio, because... On our Big 12 show, there were four teams in the top tier, zero in the fringe, a a whopping five teams in the feisty tier three, uh, not a single team in tier four, and only one team in the bottom. You had just one team in the top tier, and that was TCU. So I don't want to try to implode this segment before it starts, um, but do you still just have one team in the top tier? Or do you elevate Oklahoma State based on what happened this week?
1: I've elevated Oklahoma State based on the win that they picked up uh, over Texas. Though, I was torn on it. And I think there's a definite argument to be made. I mean, look, TCU's the lone unbeaten team, right? So right. it's an easy argument to make that they're They're in alone. tier one. Right. They're, they're definitely there. But no, I've got uh, TCU and Oklahoma State there.
0: Do you have anyone else in Tier 1? I do not. This is where a great battle surfaced yesterday. Because I, like you, I wouldn't either. But is there something to be said for Kansas State based on the way that that game was going minus Adrian Martinez in the first half with Will Howard as their quarterback? Only to see it really shift whenever he got hurt. Anything? No, there's there's an Some, argument. Okay. Sure, yeah, you can make that case.
1: Ultimately, wins and losses have to count, right? So they get dinged for losing at TCU, mm-hmm. but I think they can jump right back into Tier 1 by beating Oklahoma State. Right. They can flip-flop with them this week. Obviously, Kansas State I've got in Tier 2.
0: So, okay, so two teams only in Tier 1, TCU and Oklahoma State. Yep, that's it. Kansas State in Tier 2. That's correct. All by themselves? All alone. Nobody else in tier two. That Texas loss, that, uh, I've had a hard time with Texas. Here's why I've had a hard time with Texas because 49 to zero. Let's just call it like it is. That's why I just, how can, and again, I know Oklahoma offensively just could not do anything and it hadn't, Nothing to do with what Texas was doing defensively. But they should have lost to Iowa State. Sure. Well, and that's part of the problem with them,
1: right, is you see there's brownie points that have gotten earned for losing close to Alabama. Right. And obviously throttling Oklahoma minus its starting quarterback. And yet... And, you know, Texas Tech, you get a little bit of a pass, right, because Quinn Ewers was hurt. But, look, we can't totally escape that, like you said, you should have lost to Iowa State. And, oh, by the way, they did uh, did cough up multiple double-figure leads versus Oklahoma State. Right. And their quarterback did not look good in the process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... With that in mind, Kansas State all alone in tier one, or tier two. Now, do we need to – I think everyone kind of gets our tiering process, right? We've got five. The way that it would usually break out is about two per tier, but this has been a very difficult league to try to figure out. So tier one, elite, championship contenders. Tier two on the fringe. Tier three, kind of feisty teams of chaos. Team four, not quite there yet. And team five, the bottom. Tier five, excuse me. So Kansas State alone in tier two. All right. Three tiers left. Can I just ask in general, which tier is your most crowded tier? Because there's seven teams to fit in three tiers. Is tier three your most crowded tier? Tier or- three and tier four are equally crowded. Whoa! All right. Well, let's get after it then. Iowa State's at the bottom then, right? Yeah, tier five. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's get the easy part out of the way. Iowa easily in tier five. All right. So does Texas then fall into your third tier or do you then drop them down to four not quite there yet No the, yeah they're in the third tier they they're in the third tier with
1: a team that at some point maybe I'm going to have to punt on but <laughs> you got Baylor there I still have Baylor Okay I, on I have I no mean, problem with that It's a nice performance versus Kansas last week uh, jumped out to the big lead and obviously uh We're able to hang on now a team that has certainly started to look feisty with a little bit of a quarterback swap and i think there there's obviously going to be a separation this week between baylor and texas tech because i've
0: got the red raiders in tier three in in tier three okay so interesting because those are all three teams that i had in tier three I also added OU in Tier 3, but I get the sense you're still holding them in 4, aren't you? I've got Oklahoma in Tier 4.
1: Win this week on the road at Iowa State, and definitely if you follow it up with a win over Baylor, and I think comfortably Mm -hmm. at that point in Tier 3. But Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas
0: in Tier 4. I tend to be very knee-jerky with West Virginia. In other words... When I think about the Mountaineers. Yeah, they might need to be in Tier 7 after last week. (laughs) I mean, that was just unacceptable, to be honest with you. In fact, fact, the thought was that Neil Brown's job might really be in peril for this offseason. Have I told you my wild prediction if things continue to go south at Texas A&M? Here's my my wild prediction if things go south against Texas A&M. I think Jimbo Fisher will be the next head coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers. Wow. Now that, my friend, is a October twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. Just put that in your back pocket. Think about it. Look at Jimbo Fisher's history, where he's from, what he's what he's all about. He's got his ranches in Texas. They've got these things called planes where you can fly back and forth easily. Because I just Travis really got me thinking yesterday, man, with his digging of suddenly NFL violate or NFL uh, recruiting violations college football recruiting violations and the next thing you know it all comes back on who Jimbo Fisher but anyway with with that in mind I worry about Neil Brown I think he's I think he might be on his last legs now a win this weekend over TCU could do wonders right and TCU has been a team that's been very good at what? being terrible to start a football game. <laughs> right. Yeah. They like to like to build deficits and find a way to crawl back. Yeah. Terrible starting football games. But I don't know. It's what does that team have left in it? What what does West Virginia have left in it? Is it enough to to pop itself back up into maybe three? I, I I've said this before. I don't think anyone is necessarily out of a Big 12 championship hunt right now outside of Iowa State, right? Nobody's truly out of it. Now people get mad. Yes, OU needs TCU, Kansas State, and um, Texas, essentially, to lose four games. but Or excuse me, two of those three to lose four games, and they have to win out. But I think Texas is well on its way. Kansas State is the one to worry about because I'm kind of like you. I think they're going to beat OSU this weekend if Adrian Martinez plays. But yeah, I, the hardest team for me to figure out then beyond maybe Oklahoma has been Texas and West Virginia. Yeah. It's, it's you, you see these moments with with West Virginia, the pit game, the Baylor game, the way the, the Virginia Tech game where you're like, "Man, they've They've got it going on running the football like they are, as physical as they are. They've got something, and then they'll just go lay absolute eggs like they did against Texas and like they did against Texas Tech last weekend.
1: Even giving up fifty-five to Kansas early in the season was surprising at the time. Now, we've since learned Jalen Daniels pretty good, pretty good little quarterback, but still to give up fifty-five. Yeah, they've they've definitely been roller coastery and. The low light, no doubt, was last week in Lubbock. I mean, I don't know how you get blown out like that with everything surrounding that game, and it feels like it's a toss-up type football game going in, and then clearly Morton in company made it not that way.
0: So to reset, you've got TCU, OSU in Tier 1, which means that's your likely, if the season were to in today, Big 12 championship sure. game matchup. Though that shifts this weekend where Kansas State sits alone in Tier 2. And then the Wildcats can slide up into Tier 1 with a win. Yeah, absolutely. And depending on how it goes, Oklahoma State, it could drop. Could be tumbling a bit. Right. Tier 3 is Texas Baylor and Texas Tech. Now, I also had OU in Tier 3. And I don't think that's crazy because there's a
1: massive difference in Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel playing quarterback. Correct.
0: Correct. OU, West Virginia, and Kansas in Tier 4. I only had Kansas in Tier 4, and then I had West Virginia and Iowa State in Tier 5.
1: And that totally makes sense, too. Like I said, West Virginia maybe should be banished to Tier, like, 24.
0: I guess I guess the, the wild part in all of this is just to see how you feel like TCU has started to separate itself a bit, right, with their record. But they've separated themselves, Josh, by also also creating a lot of questions. Yeah, they've they've left, uh, they've inspired doubt. I'm using that. They've inspired doubts. I love it. They have, they've absolutely positively inspired doubt. And the reality of it is, that's that's where they are. That's the team they are right now. And they it's have kinda, inspired some doubt.
1: It's kind of dumb, right? Because, sure. look, you should be rewarded for just win the game. We we did this uh, little routine last year with 9-0 Oklahoma. And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, 9-0 doesn't sound all that bad right now. Right? It's been uh, a hard set of lessons this year that winning ain't easy. Right. And yet... I do think we have to kind of look at this thing objectively and say, does TCU look like this? Lock it up, throw away the key. They're better by by a long shot than both Oklahoma State and Kansas State. No, they don't. In fact, probably they lose to Kansas State last week if Martinez
0: plays. So there you have it. There's our tiering. We don't disagree on too much. Though I think in this league, when you try to separate it to different groups like that, There's not a lot of hills you're, like, ready to die on. Oh, what do you mean Texas Tech is only in Tier 3? They're in Tier 2, right? I mean, I just – I don't feel like there's a hill you're ready to die on. But if Oklahoma wins its next two games and suddenly starts looking a little bit more like the team they were early in the season, that might start changing a few things, too. Not not to suddenly say, oh, look out, but – Bottom line, more than anything else, is you gotta you got to just take care of one game at a time.
1: I think I asked this last week, but Oklahoma wins out, they can get to Tier 2? Is that – I mean, because that would be yeah. right on the fringe of the Big 12 championship, I think right? so. I don't think they'd get in,
0: but – I think so. I think you're right.
1: Definitely Tier 3.
0: Ten eighteen on the Plank Show on a Thursday. What say you? Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Our tiering of the Big 12 – has TCU-OSU at the top, Tier 2, French contender, Kansas State. Tier 3, Texas-Baylor Tech. I had OU there. Josh did not. Um, OU-West Virginia-Kansas in Tier 4. I had dropped West Virginia down to Tier 5 with Iowa State, but, again, I, I can't I can't figure out West Virginia. Plank sent him to me. the
1: outworld, Mortal I, Kombat style. I sent
0: him to the upside-down world. All <laughs> right, quick break. We'll come back. What about Iowa State? What can we expect from the Cyclones this Saturday? We'll talk to an insider next. Here on The Plank Show. The OU baseball schedule is out.
1: Okay. What are some highlights?
0: The Frisco College Classic looks pretty, pretty cool. It's like the smallest font on the planet. Looks like Big 12 play starts the second week in March against TCU. They're going to Houston to play a play three game set against the Cougars. Yeah. Going to UT Arlington. See a familiar foe there. At Abilene Christian. No starts. What is that? The second week in February. Against Cal Baptist. Okay. First of all, why do we have to put these things on Twitter with the smallest font possible? Here is the schedule. Now squint to see when they play. Uh, that classic in Frisco will include games against California, Mississippi State, and all- yeah. How can you see that? How can you see that? Need a bigger screen. That's right. Um, is this the full schedule? Yeah, it doesn't see what they did is they put the dates. It's and they combined them. Like for instance, for a series, right? right. I pulled up I the gotcha. full schedule for an old like me. Season opens February 17th against Cal Baptist, followed by a home game against Air Force Academy. They'll take on Abilene Christian in Arlington. They'll travel to Arlington, Frisco, Houston, and then we get into conference play. A not How about this? How about this? I'm thinking Toby Rowland from about May 5th until about May 15th is going to be on the road. Because OU is playing a three-game set against West Virginia in Big 12 play, May 5th through the 7th, and then they travel, Josh, to Spokane. Gonzaga. For a three-game set against the Bulldogs.
1: They go to Dallas Baptist uh, earlier that that week before West Virginia, too. How about that? Which that's, I mean, obviously an easy road trip.
0: Seven straight road games. So I wonder, Ryan Gaines, tell me if I'm right. I wonder if on Tuesday, May 2nd, they play a game in Dallas. After that game in Dallas, they wake up and they travel out of Dallas for Morgantown on a Wednesday. And then they spend, you know, four days in Morgantown before traveling up to Spokane and spending the week in Spokane, Washington. Am I close? Because that would make some sense. Home, Big 12 Series, TCU. Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma State, boom, and a Big Twelve Championship game May twenty, our Championship series May twenty fourth in Arlington, Texas. Oh, here's another Where the good Sooners series we'll be defending. I just completely and, and totally bathed on another really cool series. Thursday, March thirtieth, Stanford coming to town to play four. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's pretty cool. The Cardinal. That's right. No S on the end of it, just like Tulsa Golden Hurricane. So you can check it out right now at SoonerSports.com. Vegas, UNLV is coming to town for a midweek series. Cool-looking schedule for Oklahoma Sooner Baseball. It is out. Now listen, smart Alec, Open the picture and zoom in. I can't. I can't. It's just it's not a thing on a laptop when you're looking at Twitter. Okay? Yeah, it, on his phone he could have done that. Right. but I use a laptop. I'm an old. A couple of quick texts, and we'll get to this conversation with Jeff Woody. Texas had Quinn Ewer's versus OSU, and he couldn't hit water from a boat, does he really look like a difference? Um, Does he really make a difference against Texas Tech? Of course he looked like a Heisman contender against OU's defense.
1: Yeah, I think he would have made a difference.
0: I'm not uh, ready to totally sell all my
1: Quinn Ewers shares after the last couple of weeks. Look, he stunk at Oklahoma State, and he wasn't very good against Iowa State, but... I'm not convinced that he's just this bad quarterback that some people are making him out to be.
0: The great Crystal Cody Nas checked in on the super-secret Textosa line. Breathe if you hate Texas shirt. Everyone should have one of those. But as we said, Josh, it's kind of a hard year to talk trash, right? We got to kind of take our lumps this year. Um, Cyclones, 40 – or, excuse me, Sooners, 45, Cyclones, 24 – Will BV use a four line or four man front? He said four line defense, but you know what we meant. I know what you meant, sir or ma'am. Candy I, tier. I don't think. By the way, I don't. I don't want to get into the four man front versus the three man front 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 fight. Gonna be multiple. They'll be fine. Yeah, uh, they just got to be better. Real quick before we, we get, before get into it. tiering candy. I'm out on Quinn Ewers. I'm out. I think that they're a better team with Hudson Card. Whoa. That's me. I think I think there were – I'm going to send you three throws from Saturday's game that just had me completely out. Now – The one to the sideline was terrible.
1: <laughs> I know that one's going to be in the mix. I mean, he's wide open. Yeah, he air-mailed it. I mean, I know
0: some are like, but what about the wins? I'm like, I've – yeah, understood. But you're also – when you're playing in – when you're playing in – Stillwater or any stadium. I appreciate you guys trying to help me out on, on zooming in on things. When you play in any stadium, you're you're a little bit protected from the wind. A little bit. Not a lot. A little bit. But to me, I don't care if it was 30 mile an hour winds. Some of those throws that he missed, if he's an NFL quarterback and he's the highest rated recruit that OU, I'm not OU insiders. Well, Joey Helmer coming up. That twenty four seven sports. He's number one, number one. You don't miss those throws as badly as he missed. Well, you don't those. miss thirty of them. Um That's just me. You guys need a candy tier one through five. Tier one would be candy corn and Reese's. Tier three musketeers and butterfingers for me. True also added, candy corn is awesome and has no resemblance to teeth.
1: I'm going to need you to remove musketeers from being anywhere close to Butterfingers, please. That is disgraceful to Butterfingers.
0: Are you a big Butterfingers guy? Love
1: Butterfingers. Awesome. Kit Kat's numero uno, though. Really? Yeah. Reese's Reese's is high. Listen, on this is—I list.
0: is, don't know what you're doing here. True, but that Halloween is Monday. Okay, candy so,
1: corn would be, and I like candy corn. I'm a candy but, corn guy. But it's toward the bottom, right?
0: I mean, it's, do I go seeking it out? No. I, but if it's there, do I thumb my nose up at it? No, it's not jelly beans. Matter of fact, candy corn's not even a real candy. It's—it's it's just a substance, it's you know. Sugar.
1: I, it's not. I <laughs> can't, straight sugar. I can't put it in the same category as Snickers or Reese's
0: no. or any of those.
1: But it's not he, a candy he brings bar.
0: up the teeth point because as dj sanchez told us last night um you, you sydney sanders told her that she can't eat candy corn because it reminds her too much of teeth she feels like she's eating teeth <laughs> <It's>
1: like, okay <laughs> reasonable you know cool. enough I, I just candy corn and some peanuts though that combination
0: is pretty solid Tier five for me is, which is the bottom tier. That's that's where jelly beans go, and all these fake candies that people act like they like, and sour punch uh, or sour punch I'm kids. A, I'm not a big sour patch kids guy. Oh, my whole family you. sour is, punch. My apologies. Uh, I just my tier one is very simple. Everything. My tier two, three, and four is open, and my tier five is jelly beans, and that's kind of how my tiering of candy goes. It's very simple that way. Chocolate. Chocolate and tier have chocolate. one, chocolate, tier one, tier five, gummy, uh, not gummy bears. Tier five is, is, uh, jelly beans. And let's see what else? Any of the taffies people that act like taffy is something so special. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, oh, yeah. we got to stop there and get the taffy. They're all the same. What do the kids say straight to jail? <laughs> well, it's the best taffy. Yeah. Let me guess. It tastes like you're chewing on, I don't know. A never-ending piece of gum with minimal flavor. It Mm, was
1: during the Great Depression. That was a terrific candy.
0: Circus peanuts belong in Tier 5, no exception. And who still gives those out? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. All right, listen, I'm not falling down this rabbit hole for the show. It is game week by God. We have a game to break down. I'm not doing this. But when we come back, our tiering of candies. No. When we come back, Jeff Woody will join us. Iowa State Cyclone fanatic. Uh, former Iowa State Cyclone football player. He is a C- fanatic. Cyclone fanatic is their website. We'll go in-depth on some of the issues that have faced the Cyclones next right here on the ref. Yeah, we'll leave. I I just don't really know rating candy. Who cares? E- e- eat it. Or don't. It's like people that are snobs about beers. It's like, oh, I, my favorite thing to do, and I'm not a big – 47-year-old Plank is much more conscious of of his health and what the uh, wonderful, delectable Bud Lights can do to his body as opposed to, say, maybe 25 to 30, 46-year-old Chris Plank. But the reality is I'm just – I'm not someone that gets too mad about being a beer snob. I'll go to a brewery and say, what's – you got a Bud Light? It's like <gasps> – the whole place is like outrage. <gasps> you want a what? Bud Light, disgusting. <laughs> Send him to Siberia. So not, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that to other you know. People. And it's important. I'll leave it to other people to rate candy.
1: I think it's important to keep in mind too that these candy bar rankings. I mean, it's just an initial ranking, and it's just for ratings. This will not determine who's in the candy bar playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. This is a fake ranking, only generated for discussion. Like next week's college football playoff rankings.
0: That's right, which come out on Tuesday. All right, you um, I've kind of sat on this for a little bit. I had a chance uh, after the show yesterday to go in depth with Iowa State insider Jeff Woody, and uh, a quick little six seven minute interview with Jeff to just kind of figure out what what's what, what's what's going on in Ames.
2: What's going on in Ames,
0: and how is the team handled? I think it? the thing that
2: is it, the the feeling it's different from the fans than from the football team. Um, the fans are are, as you can expect. I mean, 14 total points and four losses, and they've all come right in a row. And in three of those, you've had the ball with the chance to go win. And it just hasn't happened, whether by missing field goals or just not advancing the ball against Kansas State or a different way to lose against Texas. And all those things kind of compound. So The fans are more frustrated than the team is. Because I think the thing that the team is looking at is that they've, I think if I remember correctly, there were six seniors that played more than five snaps against Texas. So it's an exceptionally young team. And to be an exceptionally young team playing as well as they have just coming up short here or there, I think they're kind of looking at it like as soon as, I mean, we're getting closer and closer and closer. And as soon as this clicks, we'll be rolling. But I mean, they. I, I think that's also, a thing that you get from the Campbell staff is they never really feel like they are totally, totally happy. or totally disappointed with anything. It just sort of feels like, all right, this is what it is. But if I was to wrap something on it, it's, it's a conch, a cautious optimism for the back half of the season. It's wild because just in general, like
0: you've said, they've been so close, right? Missed field goal here. Xavier Hutchinson, I, I mean, he's walking into the end zone, controversial if he doesn't drop a pass, right, or misjudge one, controversial targeting call. I mean, this is one of those teams that you can honestly say that, that fine line between 0-4 and, and, hell, Jeff 4-0, and 0, it's it's wild to see how close they actually appear to be.
2: Yeah, and and that's kind of the thing – so on the podcast that we do for Psycho and Fanatic, we have something we call the Caleb Williams effect, which is like last year with Caleb Williams, his first three games were out of this world. You know, everybody was saying he's a Heisman contender, and then the three games after that, he was pretty bad. And the reason why we call it the Caleb Williams effect is because of that, where teams get a sense of what a quarterback likes to do and doesn't like to do after about three games' worth of film and the, so the following three games after that quarterback has started, defenses are adjusting to what that quarterback likes and doesn't like. The first three games of the year against Southeast Missouri, Iowa, and Baylor, excuse me, not Baylor, um, Ohio, teams didn't know what Hunter Decker's liked to do. And in the first three and now into Texas, the first three games into into that game, the defenses have understood what he can and can't do, and so a lot of these close losses have come when defenses have put Deckers in situations where he feels uncomfortable. So you talk about the Kansas State game. Iowa State had zero first downs in the fourth quarter because of what Kansas State did to Hunter Deckers. Now you look at this against Texas, that offense actually looks good for the first time in Big 12 play because they're starting to kind of – they're outside of three games. The Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams effect is now kind of removing itself because – now he can see what defenses are doing to him. So you talk about how close they have been. It feels like this is now the adjustment to the adjustment. So I think the real – you're going to get a better sense of what Iowa State is going to be going forward in these last five games, more so than the first six games because of the new quarterback that they had to play with. Um, so it's been a painful very close, but it feels like, again, you know, bring, bring it back to the optimism the coaching staff has – It feels like it's an optimistic second half of the season because they now kind of know what defenses are doing.
0: You mentioned Hunter Decker's. Um, Like Jeff, you do a podcast. You cover this team very closely. How has he handled the roller coaster start to his career as a starter? We we talked to him. I think right before the Iowa game. Seems like a good kid, but again, it's got to be frustrating whenever you get that opportunity, and it just you know it's been a bit of a roller coaster for you. How have you seen him handle it?
2: Well I think he's he was getting frustrated in the middle of it because again those the the three games the first three games of the Big 12 season the team's what team's figured out is he is an incredibly accurate arm an incredibly strong arm and he's actually really athletic but the thing that he struggles with at least so far because you know it's, this is going to be his eighth game at quarterback uh, for Iowa State which is not many and the thing that he struggled with early on is if defenses showed one thing and rotated or spun into something else, he would trust his pre-snap read way too much, and then when he actually got to getting to throw it, he would see that that thing was closed because they would spin it, and then he would eat it and go, I don't know what to do, and try and force it to to, to Xavier Hutchinson, which obviously didn't work. And so really the only time that you've seen him kind of deviate from any normal neutral emotion is in the middle of the Kansas game and the Kansas State game, he was just getting frustrated because he couldn't figure out what the defenses were doing But outside of that, I would say he's just an outstandingly competitive person, as most of us are that played college ball. And so when stuff's not working, you get a little bit frustrated, but you can turn that frustration into either a destructive frustration, like you start in fights with teammates or whatever, or a constructive frustration where you go back, study film, and understand yourself better. And so I would would say he's tended more towards the latter of recognizing in himself what he doesn't do well and what he can do better. Um, But... You know, it's, he's a young quarterback, and young quarterbacks go through stuff like that.
0: Is it, and Jeff, final thought for me before I let you get out of here? Is it a matter of time before it clicks, or is this a situation that is probably more geared towards getting ready for next
2: year? <laughs> My optimism says that it is going to be something before it, or something where it's close to clicking. But mm-hmm. the the realism says that it just might because. The, the thing that's been hampering this offense the most, the defense has been awesome. The thing that's been hampering this offense the most is the fact that they haven't had a running game since basically the Iowa game because of Jirel Brock and Cartavious Norton being hurt. After the bye week, both of those guys presumably would be at or near full strength, which when you add a running game to this offense, that's what it wants to be. They haven't been able to do the thing they've wanted to do, so if Deckers can play like he did against Texas and they can actually run the ball, and have the defense that they have, you mix all those things together, and they have the chance to be really darn good. But is, it, is the running game not being successful be, in spite of not having the running back? So I think that's kind of the we'll wait and see. Again, my optimism says if that running game can click with those guys actually being healthy, they're going to be off and running. They might, they'll win the majority of the back half of the season. But if the running game doesn't get going – I don't know, build for next year. So, we'll see. Big, uh, The big one on Saturday, though, for the, the direction of the back half of the season. There you go.
0: Jeff Woody, Iowa State, former Iowa State running back, now covers the team for Cyclone Fanatic.
1: So, he's really putting a lot of stock into running backs. A couple of them were banged up. And, and you know, Jarell Brock, when healthy, has looked like a good running back. But, man, uh, you, you – look into some of the rushing numbers minus those guys being banged up a little bit. And then just the combination of that with the offensive line plank, they are not very good running the football. And, uh, you know, if you go to football com, they do, uh, some pretty in-depth offensive defensive line breakdowns in some of those numbers, not very friendly to uh, Iowa state. Maybe we can share some of those with people, but, uh, You know, that's sort of, I think, the game within the game right here. And probably a lot of weeks we could say that with Oklahoma because of their struggles defensively in the run defense portion. But with Iowa State not being good there, that bad on bad matchup, I mean, that
0: might decide the game. We'll do a break. It's a really good point. All right, it is 1048. Let's, Let's dive in depth on those numbers. Right? Where we think Oklahoma should be able to eat as a defensive line and a and a defense on Saturday. But here's what's interesting. Iowa State is a team that hasn't been able to run the football this year. Oklahoma conversely has been a team that hasn't been able to stop the run this season. Which which weakness is kind of twisted on Saturday? We'll debate and discuss next right here on the ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the ref. With Josh on Plank, coming up next hour, we're loaded. Joey Helmer, our Thursday worries, our top five stories of the day. And I don't know, Josh, I think my brilliant idea, my million-dollar idea we might have to push. Actually, it's a billion-dollar idea. It's not a million-dollar idea. It's a billion-dollar idea. But I think we might have to wait till tomorrow. We don't have enough time. Why are you laughing? Because did you see
1: T. row accidentally texted into our Ref Royal Rumble chat and was asking if anybody would want chicken pot pie for dinner?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've done that so many times recently. Where I'll text something to someone else and immediately I realize, ah, oops, sorry. So I I feel his pain. I'm not a big pot pie that guy though. I mean, I'll yeah, me neither. Like where did you? Where would you go to buy one? Where would you even get one? I, I think you gotta you gotta make them, yeah, right? Yeah, you gotta go get the ingredients. I huh, think that would suck. All right, uh, air comfort solutions text line 405-651-3439. Good question. Why does your station constantly go silent on the FM signal? I have no idea. I've got like fifteen text messages about it. Y'all sure go off the air a lot. Yes, I'm. I don't know, man. We've got no power over the FM signal. Blame uh, blame Don Christie. <laughs> More Thank
1: you for your interest.
0: Um, here's a good one. And I, and I like this because these are the types of, and I'm not even lying, these are the types of conversations that I love to nerd out and get into. This may be silly, but I used to think of stopping the run game As stopping running plays from backs and receivers on ins arounds and sweeps and such. Does stopping the run game now include called quarterback carries and quarterback scrambles? For instance, you can be great at stopping the run, but then give up a 90-yard scramble and on paper you can't stop the run. Fascinating, nerdy question, right? Absolutely, that counts towards stopping the run. No doubt it does. Because, and and I think, can I, I don't think he means quarterback run game, Josh. I think, and, and I could be wrong, but when, say, Hunter Deckers drops back to pass and you have everything covered and all of a sudden, you know, he breaks contain and the next thing you know, he's run 15 yards and has a first down. I understand where you're getting, but yeah, no, I think that that's all included. It's a great point and one of those caveats, right? But. The bottom line, more than anything else, is it's, it's all-encompassing. You know that even if your quarterback breaks through, he not he's not going anywhere.
1: Well, and it's an interesting point, and it's a point well taken that really what we're talking about is is this. I'm looking at football outsiders. I mentioned it last segment, right? So they chart some various offensive line and defensive line numbers, and one of the things that they chart is opportunity rate. And basically, just in layman's terms, what this means is runs that either did or should have gone for four or more yards, which is what they define as a – Okay.
0: Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Pause just a second. I looked down at my phone, and I completely blacked out. Can you reset that explanation real quick? Okay.
1: So, opportunity rate.
0: Opportunity rate. Okay. Explain it to me like I'm four.
1: Rushes for an offensive line that either should have gone for four or plus yards or did – go for four or more yards, which is what they define as a successful snap for the offensive line, right? Three of those and you get a first down. There you go. So anyways, Iowa State's 127th nationally in that regard, according to the way that they chart and evaluate it. They've not been very good at those types of plays. So when I say be good defending the run, I'm not talking about deckers in the run game. I'm talking about traditional that, right? Can you get can you get to the line of scrimmage downhill with your backers? Do we see Aguebo? Do we see White? Do we see Stutzman flying to the football this week, getting downhill at the line of scrimmage or into the backfield for TFLs? Because against Iowa State, based on what some of their numbers look look like coming in, and I know that we heard Gyro Brock, he's been banged up, right? They've had some injuries, but generally speaking, this offensive line looks like one of the worst that Oklahoma will see. All season.
0: And then the, uh, the the numbers just from an NCAA rank perspective are not any better when it comes to what they've been able to do running the football. Rush yards per game, 118th. Um, their running game is, is terrible. Total offense, 88th. I don't know if Oklahoma will face a worse total offense than we've seen. Then we'll see on Saturday. All right, straight up 11 o'clock. Joey Helmer joins us next right here on The Ref.